Welcome to Books and Beyond with your host, Alison. Join us for half an hour of information, entertainment, reading recommendations and beyond. Brought to you by Auckland Libraries. I know this girl and she works in a library standing there by... No, my heart my care and welcome to our special Pride edition of Books and Beyond. This is your host, Alison, and I'm joined in the studio today by Morgan Borthwick, a librarian, lifelong reader, and now working in the arts, community and events area as an advisory manager. Kia ora, Morgan. Kia ora, Alison, and thank you for having me today. Oh, thanks for coming along, and happy Pride. Happy Pride to you. <laughs> it's great to have you here. So, look, on today's show, um, I want to start with two must-reads uh, in queer literature uh, to start with a, a fairly new release and then we'll do a classic after that and then we're going to talk after that about some of our favourites. So i um, going to start now with the award-winning best-selling French novel by Philippe Besson and it's called Lie With Me and we're both holding a copy in our hands at the moment. It's kind of a, a nice book to hold, isn't it? There's something... It is indeed. Uh, there's not a huge amount of pages and it's glossy and it's light. So That's right. And it's got beautiful cover. It's a beautiful cover. Yeah, so everything um, about it is appealing to start with. They, um, I did read that this book has been called the French Brokeback Mountain. But, you know, I must admit, I didn't make that connection um, between the two works of literature when I was reading this. Um, but I guess now I can see why perhaps they've been compared. I suppose I can see too. I think of Brokeback Mountain in such an American context and this is such a European context and there's something about the way that European writers write which I find far more, I don't know, romantic or something. Yeah, yeah. I think I know what you're saying there and that's probably why I I never put the two together. But someone obviously did. Um, and one of the first things that I noticed uh, when I when I picked up the book was that um, it's been translated from the French by the one and only Molly Ringwald, um, that, who was, um, most people will know, the 80s teen icon and star of those um, fabulous films Sixteen Candles, The Breakfast Club and Pretty in Pink. And because they were all coming-of-age films as well, weren't they? Yes, uh, she was quite the celebrity. Yes. Yeah. Do you know she sounds like a, a an amazing woman? Because she's a jazz singer, um, still acting, and um, a writer and a, and a translator. Um, and I think she's got about three kids, so she's kind of a superwoman. I don't think I could do all of that. Um, I just saw her name on the cover and apparently I was kind of reading a bit about the background of the story and how it got to be translated and by her attaching her name to it has actually given it a far wider audience than it may have originally haven't. Yeah, so which is is good, isn't it? I, it's a bit like um, I was thinking of like the Oprah effect. It's kind of like the Molly, the Molly Ringwald effect. So, yeah, no, that's good. And they do say that she's done an absolutely beautiful job 
translating it. So um, I don't uh, speak or read French, so I have to take their word for it. <laughs> I have to as well. But um, the fact that you know we were saying it's only 150 pages, it's um, and there's a lot to this book. But the prose is very economical, isn't it? Sort of spare. Spare, maybe. Spare, yes. It's, as I said at the start, it is romantic, but there is such startling moments of reality in the romance because a lot of it's reflecting back yes. on the 80s and being teenagers in the 80s and you kind of are looking at it through a dreamlike lens, but then there's sudden such insight that you're suddenly like, oh, wow, it pierces through the memory, if that makes sense. Yes, it does. Yes, kind of... You come out of your dream state at times, don't you? Yeah, I've you know I found it quite a sad book. Um, I guess like so many coming of age stories, they're um, they're bittersweet. Um, but you know the whole thing about um, being gay in the nineteen eighties and having to to hide it um, in essence because of the society that was around them at the time. Um, Really hard. And yeah, the pressures on them and the kind of forbidden romance between the two boys. Um, yes. Yeah. And they had so so many pressures on them too, like with the the socioeconomic and class factors that, that came in to play as well and the the different cultural expectations. I noticed um, that as well and I couldn't help contrasting it kind of with my own life experience and that I've been, you know, born into an upper middle class family, very well looked after and supported my whole life, never had an issue with coming out and my family always accepted me for who I was. So it was quite an interesting thing to read about this. I'm probably similar to the uh, narrator in that sense and that he's from a comfortable family who, you know, he's got expectations for him, but as he writes about during the book, he kind of says that, you know, I did not have any traumatic childhood event or anything that defined me. I just had quite an average life, which is not expected for a novel writer. You know, you're expected to have a... Yes, the struggle. um, Um, So the the character of Thomas was quite... I guess I couldn't... I hadn't fully realised the struggle that a lot of people go through. Yes, that's right. And the expectations that were on him career-wise, that he was going to keep working on the land and that he would um, continue the, the Yeah, there was no future for him, essentially. No, not, not really, yes. So it's a, I found it incredibly um, sad. Um, there, was, there was... Now, there's a beautiful quote right at the end um, from Philippe, um, and when he, he's looking back, as you say, through the, the lens of of his life and this is decades later and he says um where is it it's here um there was something in the atmosphere something in the time and the place that brought us together and then everything broke like a firework exploding on a dark night in july that spirals out in all directions blazing brightly dying before it touches the ground so that no one gets burned no one gets hurt now, I loved that quote, although I thought that was a bit strange because, um, of course, the young lovers get hurt, don't they? <laughs> I bet they do. Goodness me, it was quite 
the sad book by the yes. end. I had tears in my eyes, I will not lie. Yeah, me too. But I really loved this and I'd highly recommend it. Um, and I think it's, it, yeah, I think it's a must, a must read. I would highly recommend it. Um, it did remind me of Call Me By Your Name. Oh, yes. Possibly because uh, Andre Asiman is the uh, blurb on the front cover recommending it. Oh, yes. Um, which immediately put it in my head. But it's just got that same, the beautiful prose, the way in which the romance is described through the lens of the past, the memories. And there is just something about the way that Europeans write, be it heterosexual or homosexual, they just, there's such a beauty to their descriptions of love and I much prefer European writing to American writing I must say. Yeah look I know exactly where you're coming from on that and um, I yeah I agree with you in many many respects. So perhaps um, we could, speaking of Americans, (laughs) yeah should we go to our um, our classic book that we've just both just read Um, and this one is called the title is Queer and it's by William S. Burroughs and I thought this would be a good chance to compare and contrast, wouldn't it? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> so this was written in 1952, but um, he wasn't didn't feel able to publish it until 1985, and for reasons that I find quite sad too. That um, perhaps he felt it was wouldn't be received well at the the time it was written. Um, where do we begin with this? <laughs> and so it's a, it follows um, a group of American expats in Mexico City in the late 1940s. And um, I learnt a lot by reading this. Um, many of them were escaping the drugs laws in uh, the US. Um, and the cost of living was cheap. Uh, so in fact, alcohol, drugs, Everything was cheap, including including life, really. Um, but I, yeah, to be really honest, we're looking at it. Uh, I don't think the book has stood the ti- test of time well. Although I don't even know that it was that well written. I'm not sure. There are glimpses of talent in this book. Um, and I think it's a really interesting contrast um, with Lie With Me. I don't think yeah. you could get uh, much further apart <laughs> in terms of the way in which they write, the way in which they describe love and romance, mm. because both of them are kind of semi-autobiographical yes. without you know, going too deep into it, but they both reflect on their lives. But the way in which William S. Burroughs does it is in such a unromantic, unflinching look at possibly what his life has become, which isn't what he wanted. Yeah, that's yes, and I wonder if that's the the drug addiction that's that has caused him to go down that path. Um, I think so, because he was addicted to heroin, and that's where Junkie came from. His yes. first his first major novel, and when he was writing this, he was supposedly sober. Which Supposed- I, supposedly, supposedly, yes, yeah, yeah. Which leads to the quite possibly bleak outlook on life and the kind of self-realization of where he's at. Yes, but and um, but we were talking before about there's parts of it that are almost quite shocking, or everyday stuff he makes into where he takes out the romance. What was the thing about the cold cup of coffee? 
Oh yes, it's just the descriptions. Yes. There's no no romance, no no hope in the descriptions. Almost, you know, he drops a two inch burnt cigarette into a cup of cold coffee, and it's the way that makes you feel is quite uncomfortable. Yeah, and I was thinking if you compared that to the the French, um, the the drinking coffee in the cafe is kind of there's that real romance and style um, about the. The coffee culture. <laughs> yes, absolutely. And but, we do uh, love a good cup of coffee. Yeah, that's right. But this was, yeah, I just, and it was kind of brutal too. And the way he treated um, the the guy that he falls for, he treats him sort of badly too, doesn't he? And He's a bit of a creep to be perfectly honest yeah. the, the way in which he describes kind of following him around in the first time he sees him and the way in which he describes his body all the language is almost uh, unpleasant exactly yes and so he comes across i was thinking he was a bit of a stalker mm-hmm. in a way i'm with you on that mm-hmm. one mm-hmm. i i didn't yeah but and so in a lot of ways i was quite relieved when you said that you didn't like it either i was thinking is it just me um but um and this real narcissism that comes through as well i've i felt that um is all about himself Oh, absolutely. Uh, yes, finding the next fix of, of whatever. Of whatever. His obsession yes. with finding the, what's the drug called again oh, that he's searching? like Yage? Yage, I'm not entirely it? sure how to pronounce it. Yes, I'm not, it, not but, quite um, sure either. The obsession with finding it was kind of, you felt like you were reading into his own mind. And yes. Like, oh, you're a bit of an unpleasant person. Yes. What I did find really interesting while reading it um, and studying behind the book is that he's kind of been disowned by queer literature, which it's I find... Interesting, isn't it? I do. I find it quite unusual because actually this kind of captures life in the 30s, 40s and 50s yes. for a gay man. And yes, it's unflinching and unpleasant and all of that, but... I think for the queer community to kind of drop him is mm. quite interesting. I know he wasn't the nicest person and his history is quite checkered. Yes, that's right. But I yes. think it really is an important snapshot into the difficulties of life yeah. back then. Yes. Oh, I, I agree. And so I'm surprised in a way that it has been dropped as as it were. And I'm um, I'm glad I've read it, but I... D- to me, it didn't shift anything in my own brain, in my own thoughts and feelings, um, as opposed to lie with me, which will will stay with me um, forever, I think. This one, yeah, I'm glad I read it, but... It is one of those kind of important texts that you probably should read, that you've ticked that box in your life, yes. you know. the um, I... I didn't like the book per se, but I think I'm glad that I read it because it is such an unflinching look at one man's journey. Mm. Um, and I probably, it's probably the juxtaposition of reading Lie With Me and Queer quite closely together that has given me the stark contrast and dislike for one and love for the other. Yeah. Whereas if I'd taken them on their own merits at, and read them, you know, six months apart, I probably would have had different opinions perhaps yes yeah that's a a good way of looking at it at it and it is that contrast but um i was reading some reviews of it and jet doesn't get 
good reviews. But um, the one uh, reviewer says it's um, artificial, posed, thin, contrived and silly, um, albeit with some effective travelogue footage. But then I wondered, maybe it's easy for us to say that now because of the lens that we look through. I, I don't know. But, um, yeah, but I think um, I'm happy I've read it. Um, and that's about it. <laughs> I think yes. so. And I would recommend it to particularly those who have a real interest in queer literature. I think it is an important piece of the puzzle that makes up our constantly evolving queer literature history. Yes. And even though he was a very complicated man and his own life is probably not that great, I do think I would highly recommend it to people that are studying or interested in that area of literature. Yeah, yeah. Good point. No, I, I agree with you on that. Well, look, let's um, move on to sort of happier. Well, not necessarily happy, but um, something that you've spoken to me that that you've absolutely loved. Mm. And to my shame, I haven't yet read it, but I'm going to request it today. Um, and that's um, Birthday by Meredith Russo. Mm. It looks really good. Yes, Meredith Russo is a fascinating author who I thoroughly enjoyed. So when I was doing my master's in library studies, mm. I did a thesis on transgender teens in literature and kind of the evolution of being depicted from where it was kind of a taboo topic that was only talked about around the edges to actual transgender authors writing about transgender teenagers, which I think is really important, their lived experience. So. Yes, totally agree with you. Meredith Russo is a transgender woman and she lives in Tennessee, I believe, small town Tennessee, Mm. which can't be easy. Um, No, you'd have to be pretty brave to... Yes, to, she, to stay there. she certainly is. And the first one that I read was, as part of my research project, was If I Was Your Girl, which is her first novel. Oh, yes. Now, she won an award for that. She did. It was the American Library Association, the Stonewall Award. Oh, that's right. Stonewall. Which, of course, yes. is for excellence in uh, queer literature. Yeah. Um, and it is the story of a young girl, probably not too dissimilar to herself, who is transgender and has gone through the procedures and lived with her mum in a city and moved back to live with her father um, in small town Tennessee, I believe. Mm. So it's almost, again, you're noticing a theme coming through here of semi-autobiographical books. Um, And she moves back and obviously presents as a woman and doesn't, nobody knows her history. So she starts making friends for the first time she's a pretty girl in high school and that sense of belonging is really important to her and she starts to see a guy and she falls in love with the guy but then of course secrets come out Mm. and secrets emerge and it was what I really liked about it was the kind of importance of honesty and representing Mm. yourself and I think for the first time this was one of the first novels written by a transgender author Mm. for the transgendered community and I think you cannot speak highly enough about that the importance of that And then, of course, Birthday has just come out, and I'm halfway through, and it is the story of two people born on the same day, and one is called Morgan, funnily Mm. enough, so that kind of resonated with me. Um, But there's something in the writing that she captures human emotion just so well, and she makes it being relevant, it being transgender, being relevant to anyone, it is just, they're just other people, you know. Mm. It's not this special, difficult traumatic, you know, there is, they are just people. So, so I it just that was really important. is what it is, really. And I guess that must break down a lot of barriers 
for the transgender community, or I would hope it would. I think so, and I think the more transgender voices you get out there writing about transgender teenagers, the less of a taboo topic that it becomes. Yes. And there's a tendency from other authors to kind of exploit their lives for kind of that emotional sort of trauma trauma porn or whatever they call it yes um and this is absolutely not doing that it's just about human emotions going through the daily lives and it there's something about her writing that really resonates with a lot of people Mm. and there was a big queue on this one so i had to wait for it which is why i only got it the other day so (laughs) but i highly recommend it oh good well i think i'll put my name down today i'll i'll make sure i'm at the bottom of the queue though so people can get it before me but no she just sounds um fantastic um and um yeah and i couldn't help noticing when I read reviews of it too about um, the football obsessed town, um, and it made me think a little bit about perhaps our rugby obsessed culture that we have here in New Zealand too, and um, that it, it's not not for everyone, is it? And no, absolutely not. And that is the thing that she captures those kind of insights, and then you can apply them to your own. Yeah. Own world, own New Zealand with our rugby culture. Yes. And kind of how different people fit in and how they don't, which I think yeah. is a very good point. And the courage that that sometimes you need, you know, if you're different or other, um, the, the courage that's, that's needed. Absolutely. To, yes. And I think by, obviously, virtue of her own life experience, she yes. is applying that to the page and showing yes. courage and bravery. And then the importance of that that lived experience of the author. I think we can't stress that too much, can we? No, and that's what excites me, is that there are a range of authors coming to the fore these days who have lived experience, and they're not people trying to exploit possibly other people's histories. Absolutely. Now, another author that you've recommended to me is Adam Silvera. Adam Silvera. He sounds fabulous. He is, and I kind of, he's only about 25, I think, and is about far more talented and done Mm. more in his lifetime than I probably ever will do in mine, (laughs) so I'm slightly bitter towards him. (laughs) Um, But he is a writer, again, of teen novels. Once upon a time in another life, I was a librarian that looked after the teen collection, Mm. so I kind of kept my eye out across all new teen fiction coming through, and one day this book called More Happy Than Not came through, which is his first novel. And I picked it up and took it home and started reading it, And I've never uh, clicked with someone's writing more. Mm. It's He writes about modern teenagers and he's Hispanic with a Hispanic background, I believe. And he writes in America kind of about your average teenagers who are gay, you know, they're males, they're experiencing dramatic happenings in Mm -hmm. high school as gay teenagers tend Mm -hmm. to. But he applies in each of his novels, I've read three so far, he applies uh, almost a sci-fi twist, Mm. which I think is really interesting because it's not a dramatic sci-fi twist. So, for example, more happy than not, it's set in the near future and you are able, if you are gay, to have your memory reprogrammed to essentially make you forget that you're gay. Mm, or his other one... frightening, isn't it? It is. Yes, it is actually frightening. <laughs> um, or They Both Die at the End, which is his latest oh, novel, which yes. had me in tears at the end, is about, again, set in the near future, and essentially you receive a notification when you've got 24 hours left before you die. And so it's two teenagers that meet up who 
basically spend their last day of life of their life together. Mm. But it's so grounded in reality with this little fantastical twist on the side that it's a really good medium for people like me who perhaps aren't that into full-on sci-fi and fantasy. I find it a little bit much or juxtaposition with reality and the lived experience of teenagers in high school which I once mm. was maybe a long time ago mm-hmm. now but um, and his writing just again really resonates with me and I think that lived in experience yes, is really important it's very important isn't it yes um, I'm very similar in terms of uh, fantasy and sci-fi I don't kind of get, get it um, so much um and so i but i do enjoy some of this writing that you're seeing coming through now that where it's got a slight alternative reality to it and so it's still very relatable so you're seeing aspects of our everyday lives but then as you say it's just that slight twist um it makes makes it very accessible to the people like me that up until now i've only been able to read read realistic fiction keeps it interesting yes that's right and um what i think is is really interesting about adam silvera is that he started off writing fan fiction too so um which kind of shows me that um for people that are interested in becoming writers there's different pathways that you can take absolutely there's hope for everyone i think that reassures you we're not all going to be el james but you know if you start somewhere yes you'll get somewhere and he's actually quite a big deal because his last book he teamed up with becky albertelli who of course wrote Love, Love Simon, Simon or Simon versus the Homo Sapiens yes. Agenda, as the book was called. And what I really liked about that is they both wrote one character each and it's two characters that bump into each other at a post office and then their history is kind of entwined yes. from there. And it was just the way in which they captured the distinctive characters' voices. And again, I think Adam Silvera kind of lent the queer lens to the book, yes. per se, which again is my point coming back to about that lived-in experience. Absolutely. He adds the authenticity to it, doesn't he? That he does. Becky Albertelli is a great writer, but again, she's probably doesn't have that lived-in experience yes. of being a queer male teenager, which I think is really important. Yeah. Um, I loved um, both the book and the film, and I must admit, and this is a, an aside, in libraries, customers get very confused because they've got quite different titles. Yes. And you have to say to them, no, honestly, it is the book. It is the same, I swear. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so Adam Silvera, I would highly, highly recommend. I believe he has a new one coming out that I just put my name down for, and I can see the title in front of you there. Oh, that's Infinity Sun. Infinity Sun is oh, his newest yes. one. I believe he's starting a series, uh, which will be his first series, actually. Um, it does look quite sci-fi heavy, but I'm excited to give it a go because of the way he writes characters. Yes, it it looks quite sci-fi to me as well, but um, it... But it looks as though um, it's going to be really, really interesting. And it's um, what I gather, it's an alternate reality of living in New York City. Mm. And I kind of imagine this would appeal to the dystopian 
tastes that that teens or a lot of us have in fiction absolutely as well. so yeah. i just put my name down for that yesterday it's quite a bit cute but i would highly recommend adam silvery you just might have to take a box of tissues because it'll make you cry at the end yeah. of each of his books oh. but that's happened. the the mark of a, a really good book isn't it that it is yeah well i haven't got much time left but i just wanted to quickly mention um another book that i i have absolutely loved um and talk about needing your your handkerchief because it it will bring you to tears and that's um a fun home by alison bechtel uh it's a graphic memoir uh it's about her life growing up in new york um and it's about family and coming to terms with her own queerness uh, and having quite a, a dysfunctional family life um, and they um, happen to run a, a funeral home too so that adds a bit to the mix as well so you're getting um, a very big set of experiences there so I'm going to add that to our show notes because that's one I do, Absolutely. do recommend. it's on my to read list. So. Yes yeah, so it always used to be on your recommended stand didn't it? Did. It did at Epsom Library and yes. people kept taking it and I was like wow a graphic novel going out of Epsom Library what do you know? Yeah. So highly recommend Yeah it. that just shows how good it is and so highly highly recommended. Um, it's a, a pity we didn't have time to go into more detail oh, about I could it. I talk but, all day. Yeah, but no, look, this has been lovely and we may revisit Alison Bechtel um, in a future, future show. So um, I just want to really thank you, Morgan, for coming along today. This well, has been you. wonderful. I've really enjoyed it and I've got some good recommendations to take home as well. Um, and to our listeners, I just want to remind you that the list of books mentioned today can be found on our show notes um, on the Auckland Library's blog, and that can be accessed through the Auckland Library's website um, or via the Planet FM website. Um, and just now we just say farewell. So until next time, happy reading and haerera, kakite anō. Thanks, Morgan. Thank you. This program was brought to you by Auckland Libraries. Find us online at aucklandlibraries.govt.nz and catch the program next Sunday at 9.35pm on 104.6 FM or anytime online at planetaudio.org.nz slash books and beyond. Every day, every day, every day, every day.